This is Soccer City. Two players from New York City FC, both representing the same country, they are on their way to the World Cup in Russia this summer. Also, a graduate from the Right to Dream Academy in Ghana hopes to have a similar chance one day as he prepares for his final year at Fordham University. And a guy who was the venue director at Giant Stadium for the World Cup in 1994 here in the U.S., Charlie Stilitano. He's back to tell us more about another summer event that he has delivered, the International Champions Cup. And you bring in a guy like Mr. Ross who said, I'm going to make this like the Super Bowl. This is going to be my dress rehearsal for the Super Bowl, which is going to happen in 2020 in Miami. And trust me, it's going to be a, a huge event. More on the ICC later. In October of 2016, the Costa Rican national team played a friendly in Russia. For Tico's head coach, Oscar Ramirez, it was a chance to gain comfort in the surroundings for a possible journey back in 2018. The Ticos had yet to qualify, but they were confident in earning entry into the World Cup this summer. It was also a moment for a pair of future club teammates to become acquainted. Ronald Matarita was just 20 years old, playing professionally for his hometown club. That was in Costa Rica. And Rodney Wallace, 28 at the time, had won the MLS Cup with Portland the year before. The current New York City FC wingers have since developed a close friendship. And Costa Rica, they qualified for Russia so Wallace is cherishing this opportunity. Both he and Matarita were named to the roster, the duo going to their first World Cup. From that friendly, that I, which I remember, yeah, that's when we uh, first um, met each other, we played together, and then uh, went into the qualifiers and, uh, you know, felt very comfortable with each other right away. Um, you know, he's one of my closest friends. And... Um, to be in this journey with them together, it's 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 amazing. Just with all the things that we've gone through, um, the qualifiers, the 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 things here with uh, with New York, um, you know, to finally ha uh, be on that list um, together, it's it's amazing. You know, he's a very loyal loyal friend. Um, he's a person that I can trust, and you know, he's literally behind me on the field and. Um, you know, there's no secret to why we're in this together. And while Wallace was able to celebrate the live announcement of the 23-player roster for Costa Rica, Matarita had to wait. It was after the LAFC match out on the West Coast. Wallace, he had stayed behind to record a commercial while Matarita was in the air heading back to New York. Yeah, he was on, his, on the plane and the list came out and I was calling my parents and I was talking to my wife and, uh, you know, all this excitement. My phone's jumping. Um, and uh, I was just trying to get a hold of him because I knew he was on the flight and um, his me the messages weren't going through. But, uh, you know, I knew that he was going to at some point find out. And uh, I'm sure that when he landed, his phone literally exploded. <laughs> Matarita reacted when asked about the number of text messages he received when he landed. Poof. A lot. <laughs> a lot. And pure happiness for a player whose injury struggles had left him uncertain. Throughout his three seasons with NYCFC, Matarita has played in just 46 of a possible 102 regular season matches, most of those absences due to injury. Five of his nine appearances this year have totaled only 19 minutes. So when he started a recent match against Colorado and scored his first goal of the season, it was pure elation and a sprint to the sideline for an extended hug with Wallace. Here's Matarita with interpreter Esteban Camino. Ronnie siempre ha sido un apoyo muy muy importante para mí en este 
Uh, he's always been supportive of me with, through my injuries, so he was the first person I thought of to go celebrate with. And uh, it, when he's with me in my lows, he's always with me with my highs, so when to go hug him first. And the warm embrace with his friend, it was also a moment to savor for Wallace. Hey, like I said, he carries his heart in his sleeve, and when things things go wrong, it feels like it's it's literally the end of the world. I've Unfortunately, I've been there, and I've been exactly where he is. Um, multiple times. He's got uh, a lot going for him. Uh, he's a young player with a lot of talent and, and to see him uh, go down with injury after injury, it gets it takes a toll you know, on your mind. So as a friend, I can only be there for him and make sure that his, his mind's right, his, his attitude is, is correct and that he's, he stays positive. So all I can do is basically guide him through two things to make sure that he's, he's okay and uh, telling him that everything's going to turn out the way the way it should with the hard work um, and he did that he put in um, many hours um, in here um, in order to to get that goal and I know exactly how much that that meant for him. Matarita and Wallace have left New York City to join their Costa Rican teammates two World Cup debutantes in the New York City fold there are a pair of men who have not only played in the World Cup but they've won it so what advice have they shared? First, a 1998 World Cup champion with France, New York City head coach Patrick Vieira. Just to enjoy it. I think, uh, you know, they are dreaming since they were kids to play in the World Cup, and that will happen. And, uh, and they have to take the maximum of it, the way they're going to prepare themselves, not have any regrets. Every time that you are on the field, try to give your best and uh, and see how far you can go but you have to enjoy it because you know there's players who've been really lucky who've been playing like four three world cups and for for Mata and Rodney I think they are this, this is the first one for them and you don't know when will be the next one so they have to take the maximum of it and uh, and enjoy it and it's going to be good for us because going to the world cup as well they will come back um, a better players with a better experience and um, and that will be really good for us as a club. Next, with advice, the 2010 World Cup champion with Spain and current NYCFC captain, David Villa. The most important that enjoy, enjoy because so many players can play the, this event, never in his life. Very good players, never can the, the option to, to go in the World Cup, so they are going to a World Cup. It's the best tournament in the world. They enjoy Enjoy the moment, not only the game, enjoy the events have before. It's it's another it's another soccer. So the best way that the best advice that I tell them is be ready of course for give everything, give one hundred percent, but enjoy because it's amazing to be there. Costa Rica's World Cup opener will be on June seventeenth against Serbia. Roddy Wallace He'll be celebrating his 30th birthday on that date. Wallace was nine years old when his family moved to the United States near Washington, D.C., and he recently told this story to Steve Goff of the Washington Post. I had this little recording toy when I first moved to the States, he said. I recorded myself eventually wanting to make the Costa Rican national team. I had forgotten about it, then found it a few years ago. I put the batteries back in because I knew what I had said. It was a cool moment because I knew at that time where I wanted to be. Now I am living it. There is a young man in the Bronx by way of Ghana who dreams to play one day for his country. 
And it was the Right to Dream Academy that has afforded that opportunity to Fordham University goalkeeper Rashid Nuhu in our Soccer on the Block. Now 23 years old and entering his senior year with Fordham, Rashid was 12 years old when he entered the academy in Ghana, the Right to Dream Academy, born in 1999, providing full scholarships to live train and study abroad for young boys and girls in West Africa who might otherwise not have the chance. Back home, Rashid looked up to his older brother, who was part of the right to dream, while he was raised by his mother and grandmother. And he said they made certain that in addition to his soccer, he took very good care of his academics. You learned early on from your mom because she said you can't do this, that you needed to go to school and and work on your education as well. So you managed to do both. Yeah. I had to do both because I don't want to, like, upset my mom. So I had to, like, go to school to keep her happy and also, like, play to keep myself happy, too. So I had to do both. And, like, I, I kind of, like, the school thing wasn't, like, I didn't like it, but my grandma was a teacher in the same school. So, like, she literally had to drag me to school with her. So it's like I had no choice. So, <laughs> so with a little push, Nuhu adhered to the principles established at home Then he left his homeland for the United States and the prestigious Kent School in Connecticut at the age of 15. Here's Nuhu's coach at Fordham University, Jim McKeldery. He's been really lucky before his time coming here um, that he's had a lot of good people in and around him. Some people at uh, the Kent School have really taken him under his wing and and made sure he was uh, taking care of school and just um, doing things the right way, which is one of the things why we recruited him. A lot of the people at Kent or just involved in the soccer world – were very positive, not only about his ability, but just being responsible and doing the right things and coachable. Uh, so that's, besides his natural ability, that was one of the things that attracted me to him in terms of uh, uh, could he come here and have an impact as a player and someone in our community, which he's done. Nuhu became a starter at Fordham in his freshman season. He was named to the Atlantic 10 All-Rookie Team. As a sophomore, he led Fordham to the conference championship with three penalty kick saves in the title game against Virginia Commonwealth, and then the magical 2017. The Fordham men's soccer team advancing deeper into the NCAAs than any team in Rams athletics history. Led by Nuhu, Fordham reached the NCAA Elite Eight, defeating Powers UVA and Duke along the way. Nuhu not only made two saves in the shootout win against Duke in the round of 16, but also scored on a penalty. McKeldery said that the bright lights of the NCAA tournament also placed Nuhu on the scouts' radar, enhancing his goal to play on the professional level. One of the big questions was, hey, we hear he just wants to go back to Europe, and, and that's not the case. So we've had to clarify that a lot. No, he just wants to play and find an opportunity where he can be in a professional environment and hopefully improve and get better, but also have a chance. So uh, I think there's enough people here in the States that know of him and have seen him play. I think our run to, to the Elite Eight this year was helpful because one, he played well, but two, playing against good teams and on the road, I think uh, on a more of a national scene, I think some people wanted to see if he could handle that pressure, and, and that's not that's not an issue for him. So uh, as we spoke about earlier, you know, not only is he saving penalties, he's taking penalties. I mean, he just has no fear whatsoever. Nuhu didn't really think about being a professional goalkeeper when he was first introduced to the game, playing on the streets of Ghana. And he was such a big kid at 11 years old, a little overweight, so they put him in goal. And it turned out that he had great feet from all this street ball. 
Oh no, I just had a ball at home, just kick around with my friends, just like run around, like nothing too serious. Um, till like I was like nine, then I started like like going to watch my brother and like in training and all that stuff. Then I started getting to like team stuff. So before that, you were just just not kick kick around, pick up that kind of thing. Just on the streets, just kicking around with friends, like. When there's like an open field, we like get like four guys, just go, just like kick around, just having fun. The longest like you stay with the game, the more like you get comfortable with it. Like even though you're kicking around, like you're doing some things right that like you probably don't know until the coach goes, hmm, where did you get this from? Like I got it from the streets. <laughs> like, <laughs> How beneficial has it been for you as a goalkeeper to have worked with your feet so much as a youth and maybe not even moving to the goal until 12, so you were a field player. I mean, honestly, I didn't even know I was good with my feet till I joined Right to Dream. That's when I figured, like, I have something good with my feet and how to continue working on it. And, like, now knowing, like, the game has changed, like, goalies have to use their feet, I look back and I'm like, I'm glad, like, I stopped playing with, like, my feet. Yeah, he made the Right to Dream Academy thanks in part to those good feet, which gave him the chance in America. And while he can make the big save in the big moment, it's his feet that may separate him compared to others at the next level. Well, I think in the modern game, you know, we all talk about goalkeepers being able to play out of the back, and he's probably the best guy I've seen with his feet in, in a long time as a goalkeeper. So that that makes him special compared to a lot of other people. Uh, if you talk to anybody that's seen him play, that, that will jump off the page. You know, we play out of the back all the time. One, because I like to, but two, because he has the ability to do it. Um, but he also has the ability to strike a ball 70, 80 yards. So if teams try to squeeze up, he'll just knock it over their heads, and that's out of his hands, off the ground. He's just incredibly confident with his feet. So I think that is something at the next level will attract a lot of people to him because if that's the style someone wants to play, he can do it. Um, and, and he's been incredibly impressive for us over the years doing that. Nuhu will earn his degree from Fordham in three and a half years, will graduate in December and then wait till January, and will be hopeful for the MLS draft. The six Right to Dream graduates who have been drafted at MLS, Philadelphia's David Akam and Joshua Yarrow, Columbus Crew midfielder Mohamed Abu, LA Galaxy's Emmanuel Boateng, and the most recent Abu Dunladi at Minnesota and Nana Boateng at Colorado. Knew who he's acutely aware of right to dream has meant for him and this opportunity. And he knows how difficult it could also be on members of the family. The only tough thing on parents is just losing like eleven year old kid to like like a soccer academy. If they don't know like some parents think of it as just like a soccer academy. They just go in there to play soccer. But now Right to Dream is doing a good job educating like the parents, like letting them know there's like the education side and like learning about life more than just soccer. So now a lot of parents are like buying into it. And like my mom and grandmother was like really high. Like they had to call me every day. It's like, are you okay? Like what's going on? And I'm just like, yeah, I'm good. Like I'm here with my brother. We all good. Like it was tough on them because like we're like the only two kids at home and we had to leave and they just miss us. And years later, after accepting her son's dream to be a professional soccer player and move overseas, she still makes it clear to him what she finds to be the most important. Now, she, like, when she calls me, she hasn't even talked about soccer. She's just like, how's school? Like, are you getting good grades? Like, 
what's gonna happen when you finish school i'm just like i'm just like so why don't you talk about soccer though like i'm pretty sure like that's one of the main reasons why i'm here but <laughs> just like yeah i know but like you you like need to like someone to push you to do well in school too Right to Dream. It's celebrating its fifth anniversary in the United States with full high school scholarships to over 40 children, boys and girls, including Rashid Nuhu. This year's cocktail party benefit will highlight the girls program. The benefit taking place on Wednesday, June the 6th at the General Motors building in Midtown Manhattan. Contact JKS Events for more information at 212-729-8934. We know about the World Cup this summer. The final is on July the 15th in Russia. Less than two weeks later, Charlie Stilitano and Relevant will unveil the sixth International Champions Cup, preseason for some of the top clubs of the world who visit the States and compete for the Cup. For instance, locally, Liverpool against Manchester City at MetLife Stadium on July 25th. Well, he's an engaging storyteller and the great connector, part two of my conversation with Charlie Stilitano, and we pick it up with what looked like a hard-to-get venue, the Big House. Well, the, the game's at the Big House, the University of Michigan. So if I have this right, uh, uh, Man United, Madrid, Real Madrid, was that the, was that the, the yeah, first that time Yeah, that was 109,000 people. Um, and uh, it filled the big house, uh, which was just remarkable. You know what's funny about that game, Glenn, is that Mr. S- uh, Ross, who is our owner of our company and a, a true visionary, and he's also the owner of the Miami Dolphins, he's a Michigan alum, and he said, let's go to Michigan, the big house. And uh, there's so many funny stories there. Alan Rothenberg, the president of U- former president of U.S. Soccer and World Cup, is a Michigan alum, and he said, uh, for the World Cup in 94, he wanted to go to the big house. Uh, and Bo Schembechler, the, the famous uh, football coach there, said, over my dead body. Uh, and years later, you know, Mr. Ross says, I want to go to Michigan. And I'm like, it's the summertime. Who the hell's going to go well, to Ann Arbor in the summertime? Uh, and it just shows you how stupid I am and how smart he is. And, uh, you know, we, we, we sold the first day 90,000 tickets and we had to stop sales uh, because we could have probably sold 200,000 tickets that day. And we were we had to stop because we wanted to get some general public tickets on sale, right? Not just to the alumni base. So that's proved to be a great, uh, you know, a great venue for us. And uh, another funny story of that game is that Manchester United uh, – supporters sort of outweighed uh, uh, Real Madrid supporters. Uh, and so it was a, the interesting part of the game was that there was, uh, you know, 110,000 people there and everyone loved Cristiano Ronaldo, probably the only place on earth where everyone loved the guy because the kids either had red, red Ronaldo jerseys on for Man United or white Ronaldo jerseys for Real Madrid, but the fan, it was tinted red, if you will, the stadium. Um, and La Marca, the paper in uh, Marca in, in uh, Spain, changed the picture to, to uh, they photoshopped it to make it all white, the stadium. Uh, and so <laughs> these rivalries go beyond just the teams. Uh, and it was funny because you have these, you know, national pride and saying there's more 
Real Madrid fans than Manchester United fans. And Manchester United say, no, there's more Manchester United fans. So it's funny, the lengths that people go to. And uh, this summer, uh, Sammy Hippia, the wonderful player from Liverpool, was there and uh, with Andy Cole from Manchester United. We were promoting it. And Sammy Hippia said, it's going to be just like an Ohio State game uh, but in the big house because everyone's going to be in red and white for Liverpool Man United. <laughs> and so uh, if you know that, if you know about Michigan and the rivalry there, that that's a funny, that's a pretty funny statement that he picked up on that. Now the other uh, game that certainly drew a lot of attention, you had got an El Clasico in mm. the ICC, which he just on the surface again, why would these two clubs want to play each other in a preseason friendly Although we've already determined not a friendly, but uh, you, you you got that done in Miami last year. Yeah, no, uh, and you know I give this the full credit to Mr. Ross again, you know, and, and because one of the benefits of not being these uh, crazy soccer fans like you and I, Glenn, right, and so many of of your listeners out there, uh, is that you know what we're we're steeped in it, so. You know, I've asked a hundred times, can we do the Classico? I've tried to do Celtic Rangers over the years. We tried to do John Scheinman, my partner, and I talked about doing a rivalry cup, you know, where we bring these great clubs together, Boca River to play, and then the same weekend, Celtic Rangers, and then, you know, and then we have like a final, a semifinal format. But, you know, what happens is these all get caught up in tradition. And <clears throat> we were in... And, and sometimes it doesn't make any sense. I mean, we were panicked about the 94 World Cup that there's riots in the streets and they want to set up barriers in the stadiums. And and luckily, you know, Alan Rothenberg and folks convinced the, the or, you know, convinced the FIFA, it's America, it's not going to be that way. But some of these <clears throat> traditional thoughts stop you from doing things. Like we were going to do Celtic Rangers and we got to the point where we were actually done going to sign the contract and there was this fear that, oh, my God, the streets of uh, of Boston will be on fire with these two guys. And and they said – and Rangers actually in this instance said we can't do it. Uh, <clears throat> you and I know that's complete nonsense. It would have been a festival yeah. of fun. It would have been yeah. blue shirts next to green shirts. They would have been laughing about it. And, yeah, they would have been fighting on the field and it would have been a great – battle if you will but not a battle in a in a nasty sense and uh so you know the classico is no different in that the clubs say oh we can never do that but when you have a guy like mr ross who's a visionary and who's a guy that's not steeped in soccer tradition right he doesn't you know to, to, I'm, I'm giving i don't want this to come out bad to get the boss to fire me you know but it's like he doesn't know anything about this rivalry if you will when it started when this conversation started so he's able to go there and say hey why not and uh <clears throat> that changes a, a lot of times if you're you know if you have a good product like i think we do if you take care of the managers like i think we do and and the commercial part and you bring in a guy like Mr. Ross who said, I'm going to make this like the Super Bowl. This is going to be my dress rehearsal for the Super Bowl, which is going to happen in 2020 in Miami. And trust me, it's going to be a, a huge event. You guys do your part on the field, which they did, and they played like it was like it was a true Classico. Um, and 
The fans reacted. The world reacted. It was uh, it was fantastic. Glenn, I have to tell this funny story. Um, I had a buddy of mine who used to uh, – uh, he's involved now with the Vatican, but he used to run Ford models out of Buenos Aires. He's a reformer. <laughs> he's a reform guy now. <laughs> anyway, what, years ago uh, – he introduced me to Boca Juniors, and we brought them over in 2003 to play in the Champions World Series. And I was with – then I got to know Macri, the president of, of Boca Juniors. And <clears throat> Macri then became the mayor of Buenos Aires, and now he's the president of the country. So I bump into my buddy, and uh, we're together in, in uh, Spain, actually. And he says, you know, you should you – should you know, he heard what I was doing and he heard about Mr. Ross and he has this incredible development in New York City called Hudson Yards, which is about a $25 billion project, the biggest real estate project ever in the United States. Uh, And it's just an incredible, he's building a new city, if you will, within a city. And President Macri came over and he was over, if you remember those poor guys were uh, the five Argentinian men that were killed in a reunion here by terrorists, uh, running him yeah. down in, in New York City. And, and Macri came to pay respects and also on an economic mission to talk about things that they could develop. And so we arranged a meeting uh, with President Macri and, uh, and, and, and Stephen Ross uh, and George Perez, his, his partner, uh, based out of Miami, business partner. And we spent the first 15 minutes talking about uh, – uh, well, of course, about the terrible tragedy, but mostly about the economic uh, development, which is Hudson Yards, and how wouldn't it be great to have something like this in Latin America, and and in, in particularly in Buenos Aires, and and it was a fifteen minutes of <clears throat> high level, way above my head, Glenn, talking about you know redevelopment of a country type stuff, right? Uh, and all of a sudden, Macri says to Mr. Ross. President Macri, the president of the country, says to him, I want to congratulate you. And so Mr. Ross says, well, I'm very proud of it, thinking Hudson Yards. It is a city within a city, and yes, I'm very proud. And he says, no, 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 not Hudson Yards. The ICC and the Classico. He goes, you've got all the best teams in the world. He goes, why don't you have the real Classico, Boca versus River? This is the president of the country telling, you know, Stephen Ross that this is what he wants. This is what he aspires to, that Boca River can play in the ICC. And so, it, you know, the power of, of soccer doesn't surprise us. Uh, but it, uh, but I, guess, I guess in a funny way, uh, it has the ability to surprise even guys like Mr. Ross at times. Charlie Stilitano, our guest, and Charlie, I, here I am. I, I'm I'm buying a ticket for any of these games. How can I how can I be assured that uh, my favorite player is going to uh, enter that match at some point? Whether it's a start, or, are, are there when you're negotiating this these things? Are there a, a, a certain number of players that have to participate yeah, I mean, in each particular uh, match? How does that work? Yeah, I mean, I think that that a lot of people I talked to over the years uh, have this question. I, I think there's a there's it, it's only tricky in a World Cup year, if you will, really, because 
the players have to have some vacation. Some of the players have to have vacation. Um, you know, I, I will. Well, Christian Pulisic will be playing for Dortmund. I, I, yeah, I that's right. He's it's, got, it's, you know, and he the Italian have a World teams Cup are responsibility. All, all filled with their players. And the Dutch players right. are here 100 percent of the time. Uh, but look, you have to remember it's a preseason and players want to play. And the best example is the one I give you a Cristiano Ronaldo at the big house. When he played, when when he was at Real Madrid and they played Manchester United, he was not supposed to play. Carlo Ancelotti said the day before, Cristiano will not play today. Uh, he came back from the World Cup. He's here, but he's you know nursing an injury. We're not playing him. At halftime, Cristiano went to went to uh, the manager and said, "I want to get out there." <laughs> There's 110,000 people with my jersey on, either red or white, and I want to play. These guys have to start playing, in some instances, the day they get back. They're, they have regular season games in early August. That's Charlie Stilitano, chairman of the International Champions Cup, the ICC. Go to internationalchampionscup.com. And that'll do it for this episode of Soccer City, heard every Tuesday at 1 o'clock on WNYE, the new home of New York City FC. Our next live broadcast is Saturday when Orlando City visits Yankee Stadium. Join me along with former Millwall and Crystal Palace center back Matty Lawrence, airtime 715. I'm Glenn Crooks, hoping you have a great week of soccer.